welcome back. This is Faye. And this is Nick. And this is Kriyag's Over, Over Coffee. Coffee. So we have back with us today Dr. Renee Eager, Assistant Professor and Clinician Educator in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the Warren Alpert Brown School of Medicine. Thanks for joining us again, Dr. Eager. Thank you for having me. So last time we talked about the signs and symptoms of menopause, including the vasomotor symptoms, and we began to talk about the treatments, talking about lifestyle modifications, as well as other non-pharmacologic treatments. And we also touched on the pharmacologic treatments, but not the hormonal treatments. And so today uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more about the hormonal therapies of vasomotor symptoms of menopause. So, Dr. Eager, um, you know, as residents, I think we've definitely heard of the use of estrogen to treat vasomotor symptoms of menopause. And so we've talked about estrogen. We say, you know, if you're having these vasomotor symptoms, estrogen may be used for those. What I am not really clear about is, you know, what is what exactly are the exact indications that I can tell my patients? Estrogen with or without a progestin, is the most effective treatment for vasomotor symptoms and genitourinary syndrome of menopause. The FDA has approved the use of estrogen replacement therapy for four indications. The first is it is first-line therapy for the relief of vasomotor symptoms in appropriate candidates. Second, it's used to prevent bone loss and reduce fractures in postmenopausal women at elevated risk of osteoporosis or fractures. Third, for it is indicated for women with hypogonadism, primary ovarian insufficiency, or premature surgical menopause without contraindication. In those cases, hormone therapy is recommended for the health benefits until the average age of menopause. Finally, low-dose vaginal estrogen therapy is recommended first line for isolated genitourinary syndrome of menopause to treat the symptoms of vulvovaginal atrophy. The use of systemic estrogen for vasomotor symptoms reduces hot flashes by 70% within one month of initiation. In 2017, the North American Menopause Society published a hormone therapy position statement. In it, they said that there are differing risks of hormone therapy for women. These differences depend on the type, the dose, the duration, the route of administration, and the timing of initiation, and whether a progestogen is needed. Treatment should be individualized using best available evidence to maximize benefits and minimize risks. There should be a periodic reevaluation about the benefits and the risks of continuing or discontinuing hormone therapy. So Dr. Eager, one thing that I feel like we get asked about all the time as residents, and we're all trying really hard to remember, um, is the landmark trial, the Women's Health Initiative. Just as a reminder for our listeners, the Women's Health Initiative was a study designed to assess the risks and benefits overall of hormone replacement therapy in postmenopausal women. Dr. Eager, can you tell us a little bit more about the WHI and what we really should be taking away from it? So the Women's Health Initiative study, as you said, was a study that was designed to assess the overall health risks and benefits of hormone therapy for postmenopausal women. Um, it, It showed that the risks appear different for estrogen therapy versus estrogen and progestogen therapy. This was a study that compared the rates of coronary heart disease, 
stroke, pulmonary embolism, hip fracture, breast cancer, colorectal cancer, endometrial cancer, and death among women who were randomized to hormone therapy versus placebo. The prevention of coronary heart disease was the major objective of the study. It included over 27,000 women who were aged between 50 and 79. Women were enrolled beginning in 1993, and the trial ended in 2004. There were three arms of this study, an estrogen plus a progestin, and this arm lasted for 5.6 years in terms of the length of the study. The second arm was estrogen alone for patients who had a history of a hysterectomy, and this arm lasted for 7.2 years. And then the third arm was a placebo. The study showed that the estrogen progestin arm showed an increase in coronary heart disease by 80% in the first year, and an increase of 18% over the entire treatment period. When stratified by age, for every 10,000 women taking an estrogen progestogen, there were five extra diagnoses of coronary heart disease in women who were in their 50s, and 19 extra diagnoses in women in their 70s. However, this value did not reach statistical significance. In the estrogen-only arm, there were no differences in the rate of heart disease in women taking estrogen versus placebo. This part of the study also demonstrated that age mattered. For women in their 50s, for every 10,000 women, there were 11 fewer diagnoses of coronary heart disease in the first year, but in women in their 70s, there were seven extra diagnoses in the first year. Over 13 years, there was a 40% reduction in heart attacks in women who started in their 50s. The Women's Health Initiative study showed that both estrogen, progestin, and estrogen alone increased the risks of stroke by about one-third. They both increased the risks of DVTs, but the risks were greater with an estrogen and progestin over estrogen alone. And these risks were the same regardless of the patient's age. Um, in terms of overall illness and death during the study, estrogen um, progestogen increased the rates by 12%. For estrogen alone, for women in their 50s, it reduced the risks of overall illness and death. There were 19 fewer events per year per 10,000 women, while for women in their 70s, it increased the risks of overall illness and death. There were 51 extra events per year per 10,000 women. In 2017, there was follow-up data from the Women's Health Initiative study, which was published, and it showed that among all postmenopausal women in the study, hormone therapy with estrogen progestin for a median of 5.6 years and estrogen alone for a median of 7.2 years was not associated with a risk of all-cause cardiovascular or cancer mortality during a cumulative follow-up of 18 years. Further studies, including the HERS trial, which is a heart and estrogen progestin replacement study, showed that estrogen progestin had no overall effect in secondarily preventing coronary heart disease. More recent studies have shown that initiating estrogen and progestogen or estrogen alone therapy in women who were between the ages of 42 and 58 within 36 months of their final menstrual period appears to be safe. It relieves vasomotor symptoms, improves mood, increases bone density, and does not have an adverse effect on the markers of coronary heart disease. It's based on these studies that NAMS proposed the timing hypothesis. The effects of hormone therapy 
on coronary heart disease may vary depending on a woman's age and the time since her menopause onset. Data show reduced coronary heart disease in women who initiate hormone therapy at an age less than 60 years and or within 10 years of menopause onset. The data shows that there is concern for increased risk of coronary heart disease in women who initiate hormone therapy more than 10 to 20 years from the menopause onset. One thing I'd like to also add is that prior to the Women's Health Initiative study, we gave women estrogen because we thought that it helped their hearts. So it was touted as a health benefit for women. But what the Women's Health Initiative study and the HERS study subsequently have demonstrated is that taking hormone replacement therapy in an appropriate candidate is safe, but it doesn't. It, it should not be prescribed for women in order to protect their hearts per se. The other thing I've heard, Dr. Eager, is that there are specific ways of prescribing estrogen, so mode of delivery that can potentially affect these adverse effects that we want to prevent, like those venous thromboembolisms. Has there been data that's actually shown that? So there was a study called the ESTER study, which was an observational study um, randomizing patients to transdermal estrogens versus oral estrogens. And it showed that they're at lower doses, and if patients were given therapy transdermally, they may be associated um, with lower risks of venous thromboembolic events and stroke risk. Um, but there haven't been randomized controlled trials yet um, to demonstrate this maybe a resident research project? <laughs> Indeed. So hormone therapy remains the gold standard for the relief of vasomotor symptoms. Estrogen alone therapy is used for symptomatic women after hysterectomy. For symptomatic women with a uterus, you know, combined therapy protects against endometrial neoplasia, either with a progestogen or a combination of conjugated equine estrogen with vasodoxephine, which is a CIRM. The lowest dose that offers relief should be used and assessed periodically. Progestogens also relieve vasomotor symptoms when they're used alone. Micronized progesterone given at a dose of 300 milligrams nightly has been shown to decrease vasomotor symptoms. Um, synthetic progestins such as medroxyprogesterone acetate have also shown benefit. Uh, progestogen therapy is not recommended for patients using low-dose vaginal estrogen. Um, any patients who have vaginal bleeding need to have appropriate evaluation of their endometrium. We've also found that hormone therapy is helpful in improving sleep um, in women who have bothersome nighttime hot flashes. It reduces nighttime awakenings and improves the duration, disruption, latency, um, and improves sleep cycles. Really interesting. Another good option. So estrogen is available in oral, transdermal, and vaginal, or some people refer to that as topical formulations. Orally, it can be prescribed as conjugated estrogen or estradiol. Transdermal delivery can include patches, gels, or sprays. Vaginal estrogen is available as a cream, tablets, rings, or most recently a, um, a vaginal gel has been introduced. Progestogens are available orally or transdermally. Oral formulations include medroxyprogesterone acetate, norethindrone, drosperinone, and micronized progesterone. Transdermal options include norethindrone and um, levonorgestrel. We give progestins for endometrial protection. They can be delivered continuously or in a cyclic fashion. 
Um, cyclic administration can result in withdrawal bleeding. Some formulations combine estrogen and progestins. Patients using vaginal estrogen do not, as I said before, need to use systemic progestins as there is very little systemic absorption of low-dose vaginal estrogen. Providers should prescribe the lowest dose of estrogen possible to obtain favor favorable effects. Higher doses may result in um, some breast tenderness. So we've talked about estrogen, we've talked about progesterone, and I know, Dr. Eager, you had mentioned one serum, basidoxifene. Are there other treatments that we should know about for these vasomotor symptoms? So basidoxifene is um, a serum which acts as an estrogen agonist on the bone but an estrogen receptor antagonist in the endometrium and in the breast. A, a particular branding has combined conjugated equine estrogen and basidoxifene together to treat vasomotor symptoms and menopausal women without the need for a progestin. So Dr. Eager, how long should we continue to treat women with hormone replacement therapy? So the Women's Health Initiative studies showed increased risks of breast cancer in patients treated with conjugated equine estrogen and medroxyprogesterone acetate who took it for longer than three to five years. Patients treated with estrogen alone did not show an increased risk when used for up to seven years. And in follow-up studies six years after stopping the estrogen, they again did not show an increased risk. Um, observational evidence has shown that the use of hormone therapy does not alter the risk for breast cancer in women with a family history of breast cancer. Um, as I stated previously, follow-up data from the Women's Health Initiative study um, showed that among all postmenopausal women in the study, both estrogen and progesterone and estrogen alone hormone therapy was not associated with a risk of all-cause cardiovascular or cancer mortality during almost 20 years of follow-up. Well, thank you, Dr. Eager. I think that's a lot of great data um, and a lot of information. What do you think is the big takeaway point for using hormones and treating women with vasomotor symptoms? What I do is I counsel all patients regarding what they should anticipate in terms of clinical signs and symptoms of menopause. They should be made aware of lifestyle modifications and non-pharmacologic options that have shown benefit. We should discuss non-hormonal pharmacologic options, their efficacies and their side effects. Uh, and as providers, it is our job to assess whether a patient is an appropriate candidate for hormone therapy based on her age, time since menopause, and her past medical history, particularly as it re relates to cardiovascular venous thromboembolic, and cancer risk. Uh, patients should be actively encouraged to participate in shared decision-making to inform their decisions about treatment plans that are best for each person. The duration of therapy should be assessed on a regular basis, incorporating new data as it becomes available and um, as it is applicable to each patient. Fabulous. Thank you again, Dr. Eager, for joining us. Thank you for having me. So once again, I'm Nick. This is Faye. And this has been Kriogs Over Kai. So guys, if you like what we had to say on this podcast today, you can go on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating and review. 
Be sure to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at Creogs Over Coffee. We're on Twitter at Creogs Over Coffee One. And you can visit our website for more resources at www.creogsovercoffee.com. And finally, if you have any suggestions or any topics that you'd like to hear, you can email us at creogsovercoffee at gmail.com.